1: The gang is back together.
0: Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can be a part of the gang by texting in the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. Again, 704-570-9610. I feel like we're going to be back for the long haul this time. We had COVID mess me up, so I was out for two days, maybe three, I think a Friday, a Monday, and a Tuesday. I came back a couple of days, and then, well, already had the plane ticket scheduled. I was flying into a bomb cyclone. I made it out in order to be here to talk about Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Division Title Week. Carolina, if they go 2-0, and they win the NFC South after the crazy season that's seen a head coach fired that's seen their best coach or best player be traded to see someone that signed a long-term contract after a great first year with the Panthers and Robbie Anderson, you move on from him after all of that happens, Carolina has a real shot to win the NFC South. So I'm happy to be back to talk all about it. How was your holiday break? Wes? I saw we're going to get to a couple of things. We actually have a whole segment at 1245 or 145 called Wes's day out. So we learned <laughs> we, we learned a new fact about you watching one of the videos that you posted. We're going to get to that fact at 1.45. Okay. We learned, well, quite a few facts. You also spent your day at Wake Forest, so you can talk about that a little bit later. But overall, was the break good for you?
2: Yeah, man, it was a good break. Uh, it's just nice to have some days and not doing much, always being on the go. You know, as you guys can relate, just always being on the go and having some time to be able to just – relax
0: and not have to worry about coming to work or different things like that and just hang out so we had a couple texts come in big cat dan said i'm gonna miss fitty and flounder i'm gonna miss the fitty and flounder show that happened yesterday brian said glad to have the guys back fortunately fitty and flounder did not burn the place down how (laughs) did that go for you fitty having that show go on with you're basically taking the heel tough podcast to the airwaves of ninety two point seven F. Yep.
3: Man, we had we had a lot of fun. Um I was respectful, I was kind. I did not take any personal shots at anybody for so three dimmer, hours. Yeah, like you a decided
0: to do something different.
3: Yeah, and, and so we had a lot of fun. Was very thankful for the opportunity that Jeff and Colin gave us with y'all taking the day off and uh now I just go back into my role where I sit behind the board like I did yesterday and now I'll get back to talking crap like I usually do.
0: There you go. It's a very different chair. I talked about this with Doug on the lockdown Hornets podcast, because when he has to handle all of the responsibility of moving on from topics and then being the, the guy that is just kind of driving everything, you don't get to be the court gesture nearly as much. It's very different. So now Fitty being, not necessarily irresponsible. That's not the right word, but for Fiddy to go back to being disrespectful, I think that's what makes the show work a lot better. As long as we find a way to dodge Mm -hmm. all those FCC violations, that's the way that we can dodge. (laughs) Uh, We can dodge that, but that's the way that the show works here on West and Walker. So really appreciate um, those guys filling in Fiddy and flounder coming in yesterday and helping us out. All right. So we're back from holiday break. We've got a lot of stuff to get to. We're setting up the scene. It's time now to get off the bus.
1: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn!
0: All right, Wes, we have division title week between the Carolina Panthers as well as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've seen this matchup before, and Carolina destroyed them? In what was one of the weirder games just from an expected outcome standpoint. I was looking up the lines, right? So I was going in to see what's the spread for this game. And it accidentally, Google took me accidentally to a website from October in their matchup that happened then. And what I saw was that Tampa Bay was a 13-point favorite heading into that original matchup. Well, after that, all right, Tampa Bay just had a flu. We are not even to the second half of the season. Tom Brady and company, they're going to figure it out. Except they haven't even come close to figuring it out. Yeah. They'll go on a final drive to win the game after the defense is scrambling and they're finally starting to air it out. Eight-yard, dink and dunk all the way down. Eventually they win. But that's not exactly figuring everything out to the point where they're a good football team. West of Carolina wins their last two games, they are the NFC South champ. What kind of chance do you give them now that we're here just a few days out of that game?
2: Well, I give them a very good chance. Uh, if you're basing it off of the eyeball test, while I thought that Sunday, Saturday's game was you know, just one of those games that, like you said, you can't explain. Just the way they just ran the ball just all over Detroit, especially after Dan Campbell had talked about the fact that they knew that that's what Carolina wanted to do and still couldn't stop them. So impressive nonetheless at going up against a Tampa team that once again struggled with a Trace McSorley-led uh Arizona Cardinal squad they got the, the Saints as well down the stretch which you know division rivalries on the road are always going to be tough but they have a good chance when you talk about the eyeball test and how good the Panthers look in comparison to the other
0: two teams they'll have to face. This season if they reach a playoff spot Even still for me, even going back to that 2014 year where they reached the playoffs, this one will still feel way more unlikely, right? Because that team in 2014 that got there despite having a losing record, the next year they'd actually get to the Super Bowl. But they still had Cam Newton, who was the number one overall Yeah, you could name names on that team. Right. Right. They still had Luke Keekley the best linebacker in the game. You still had guys at the pinnacle and that were top rated guys at each of their positions. Right. And it's not that this team is void of talent. I've made the case a million times. You have a pretty nice foundation to where there are just a few things you have to do in order to rebuild pretty quickly. But doesn't it feel weird to discuss a team as a rebuilding team and also with them basically having a shot to reach the playoffs if they just do the things that was is within their control if they win the next two games then they're in that this season to fire a coach to be the first team to do so mind you to fire a coach where we're having all of the tank talk where you absolutely trade your best player except they were moves that we didn't necessarily think indicated tanking at that time we had talked about McCaffrey being traded for a while Robbie Anderson was not producing at all we just didn't know what to do with this team but we sure knew not to put them in the playoffs at that point but here they are, West, with a shot. This has to be the most unlikely of outcomes, if it all is said and done, at the end of the year, that they're going to be playing some uh, some post regular season football.
2: Yeah, no doubt. To say that this team wins a division championship, like you said, after all of the things they have been through, because you know human nature. Us watching sports, you know, once a coach gets fired, you pretty much feel like a team season is done. You're like at this point, they're just going to try to uh, demonstrate attrition and just get through this thing as best they can. But because the division has been as bad as it's been. The Panthers are right there in position to get a division championship, an unlikely ending to a season that you would certainly have to file under the
0: unorthodox. We'll get to it in the next segment, but JC Horn going to undergo surgery. Not exactly true that he's indefinitely going to miss the rest of the season, right? We don't know how much time he's going to miss quite yet, but they did sign Josh Norman. Josh Norman is a part of this football team once again. If we're going to go back to that 2014 team, they did bring a guy that played for that team alongside Steve Wilkes, who was the defensive backs coach during that reign. So we'll get to that in the next segment and talk a little bit more in detail. Play some Steve Wilkes audio as well. Let's get to the UNC bowl game. Fiddy, I'll go to you sporting the Tar Heel gear. As always, you have the Drake May jersey on. We're gonna see him suit up tonight against the Oregon Ducks. Now that line is actually a 13-point favorite listed for Oregon coming into this game. Has to be because North Carolina looked absolutely atrocious at the end of the season after having a great regular year. What are some of the things you're watching for in this contest?
3: You know, I've said this leading up to the game. To me, this is an evaluation game for Mac Brown. On the defensive side of the ball, we got to evaluate guys that want to be here. Players, coaches, And the like. I don't really, I mean, if they win, it's a 10-win season. It's a special year. But I don't even know if a win really salvages salvages the way the season ended. But I want to look at, find guys on the defensive side of the ball that we can count on being difference makers next year. And if we find guys that aren't, let's get their asses in the portal. Let's go find somebody else. If we don't come away with Tim Cross and Dre, I think they're the right guys to coach that defensive line in the corners. Let's fire them. Let's find somebody else. That's what I want to see coming out of this game. It's an evaluation game for Mac Brown.
0: We'll talk more about it at 2 o'clock, but Wes, to get your thoughts before that, do you think that this is an evaluation game for Mac Brown just to see how good we should feel about this Tar Heel team heading into next season? Well, yeah,
2: we know they have a lot of guys sitting in the portal right now just to see, especially in the defensive backfield when you're playing against this Oregon offense. But, yeah, the main thing for me is I just want to see the Bo drake May matchup. That's the main thing for me uh, as well, Kevin. Carolina, they're going to need to start fast in this game, come out and look like a team that we've seen for most of this season that can light up the scoreboard. We know defensively they can at times make plays when they need to. But uh, this is the Oregon offense number four nationally and first half scoring number two and third quarter scoring. So the first and third quarters are going to be vital. Well, the Heels, they're going to need to start fast, and Drake May is going to have to be uh, on his A game. So uh, I just can't wait to see how Drake May is going to respond after losing in the ACC championship game and after me telling him on the walk to the car. Uh, that I rated Riley Leonard yeah, ahead it, of him. I still haven't
3: forgiving you for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. it's, still, it's still one of the most underrated moments.
2: Let
0: the pettiness moment. begin. Wes felt, felt it an obligation to see him, and then once it was Drake May and he realized it, he wanted to say, hey, on the Wes Bryan power rankings, I dropped yeah, you man. a spot. Got to be authentic. Heading heading into next season, we did have a tech say, Fitty, if they beat Oregon, it's a solid season for Carolina. I want to get into more of how we should feel. If they beat Oregon, yeah. if they lose how badly they lose, the competition level. There are a lot of different angles to talk about with this North Carolina football team and how we should feel about it. Again, we'll get to that at 2 o'clock. Final thoughts for getting off the bus. The Charlotte Hornets, they lose to the Golden State Warriors last night. No Steph Curry, but they were battling in this game, and then Golden State turned up the defense very much so. They were awesome down the stretch defensively. Jordan Poole, twice in a row, put Mason Plumlee on skates, and it was embarrassing, and Jordan Poole I believe he went the Kimball Walker route, this is my bleep, this is what I do. And you saw Jordan Poole have a sick Michael Jordan type of reverse layup and then had a nice dish. I believe it might have been James. Oh, it was. No, it was Jonathan Kaminga, who was extremely physical down the stretch. Two and four, Wes. We'll get to some more Hornets conversation at one o'clock. I got to tell you, I was hoping for one and five on this West Coast road trip. Yeah. They finished two and four outside of the Clippers beatdown, and they lost by 20. It wasn't that close outside of that beatdown, They were still competitive. What are your feelings about the West Coast road trip as it came to an end last night? Uh, The Hornets, you know, they're just an up-and-down
2: basketball team, but I think we're getting some good signs from them, especially offensively. They're capable of scoring in bunches and stretches, and we saw that. Uh, We saw them be able to come back like they did against... The Golden State Warriors last night. So uh, we saw that this team is battling. Still deficiency there. And we got to see Mark Williams uh, come on up and make a few plays. You know what I'm saying? So I was excited about that. It was almost like squinting and looking at the TV like, is that that Mark Williams?
0: I did the same thing.
2: You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) to see him out there balling, I think that's a good sign. But it's funny because
0: ain't anything like Nick Richards or Mason Plumley. completely different player and and I can't wait to talk about how Dennis Smith Jr. and Mark Williams are going to be in the NBA Hall of Fame one day we're going to get to that (laughs) at one o'clock later on on Wes and Walker so Hornets going up later but coming up next we'll talk more about the Carolina Panthers game this week how much concern should we have over J.C. Horn possibly not playing and what's a reasonable expectation for a Josh Norman performance against Tampa Bay we'll get to that in just a moment Wes and Walker, we're back at it, Sports Radio ninety two seven FNZ. Hey. Wesson Walker back at it at Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ panthers game week baby how much concern do you have over jc horn not being able to go you can text in via the garage door guru text line and answer that very question 704-570-9610 is the number 704-570-9610 now west jc horn had surgery yesterday Uh uh-huh We don't have an update as far as whether he's going to miss the rest of the season or not. Now I did see Sheena quick. She was on queen city news yesterday talking about how we will get an update at some point Mm -hmm. and we will get an update presumably some point today to just kind of see how surgery went, whether he is going to miss the rest of the year. And maybe there's a a possibility he can come back for a postseason game if they actually get to that type of play. So that that's the good news, but it's, This has been a guy, right? Out of all of the J.C. Horn debates that we've had, shut down corner and all that aside, it is a little unfortunate for J.C. that there's been big injuries and small injuries. Last year, had an injury that kept him out after two and a half games played. Comes back, plays well, right? Good corner in the league. Various, various evaluations on that. But good corner. Gets banged up, doesn't even play the last time they played Tampa Bay, to be fair. So mm-hmm. he's going to miss, presumably, both of these games that they've played against the Buccaneers. They didn't need him the first time. A little dicey right now. No Dante Jackson. We saw what Keith Taylor had happened to him when yeah. he was playing the Pittsburgh Steelers and Deontay Johnson. So a little dicey, but still, Carolina at least showed what, that, what could be done there. But how much at least worry do you have over J.C. Horn being an unhealthy player? Now you've had a couple of injuries here and there this season, and you had the big one, of course, that took him out last year.
2: Well, I felt bad for him, and when he got hurt, it was one of the reasons I did not like playing defense. Defensive guys hit each other all the time. It's so (laughs) annoying. And so when that happened to him on Sunday, I don't think you can chalk that under him being an unhealthy player. That was just a freak accident. Um, That happen and it happens on defense all the time. You know, he's making a tackle, spinning around, and then his guy comes in and and hits him. So, uh, But at the end of the day, you know, one of the great things about being a great player is availability. And Mm -hmm. so at this point, you know, with him, he's already missed a couple of games this year, more than likely going to miss the last three. Um, So they have three games left. They have two in the regular season. Two in the regular season, Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, missing the last two games of this season on top of the two he's already missed. And so you do start to wonder, you know, with him, the injuries are starting to pile up just a little bit. And you wonder, is this going to be a guy that you're going to be able to count on health-wise uh, for the duration of his career? I mean, we know injuries will happen, but it seems to happen to him a little bit
0: more frequently. Yeah, I'm most. I'm glad you said that you're not ready to call him an unhealthy player. I always go back to what Stefan Gabell said A couple of years ago regarding Keenan Allen, and I had a chance to talk with Stefania Bell one time on a podcast and how it related to Christian McCaffrey. So a few years back, she was discussing Keenan Allen, who was very injury ridden at the beginning of his career, the first three years, right? Had an ACL injury that took him out for one year and just constantly hurt, banged up. And she felt that Keenan was more of an unlucky player rather than an unhealthy one, Mm. because some of the injuries that he suffered, they weren't injuries to a doctor that would constantly be nagging as you go on. But I asked her that about Christian McCaffrey, right? So take the logic, apply it to your star running back. Hey, is he unlucky or is he unhealthy? And there was one injury that she got scared about with McCaffrey and it was the hamstring injury. And when he suffered that hamstring injury, that kept him out, he tried to come back and she wasn't necessarily happy with the Panthers training staff, mind you, how they would Matt rule at the helm, constantly bringing him back. And then of course, when they bring him back, they play him at a ninety percent snap share, so it's not even that they're easing him in. Nope. none of that. Like you're in, and we're throwing you all the way into the fire. So the hamstring injury made her believe, you know, I, I she didn't want to call him unhealthy, but there was at least that neighborhood he could reside in. He's been playing great for San Francisco. Hopefully, that has subsided. But the point being, you're right about J.C. I don't see anything from him that makes me think. Oh, great, this guy's unhealthy. He's soft. He can't take it. He's going to be injured all the way throughout his career he's played two seasons he's played I mean still majority of the games this year despite being banged up here and there and it's not even somebody that to me has had some of those soft tissue injuries Mm -hmm. that that Stefania Bell might deem okay this is something that's going to keep him out you know when TC said Keenan Allen missed games again this year but there was a a lot of years in between some of the injury-ridden seasons that he had right so I think that's what you're kind of hoping for with J.C. Horn. So I'm glad you said that because so many people will see multiple injuries and then say, okay, already unhealthy. It's going to be scary. You know, we got the next Gordon Hayward on our hands, right? We got the next Christian McCaffrey. I don't see that with J.C. Horn.
2: No, like I said, you know, playing football, things like that will happen. A guy that I could point to that I can say is just an unhealthy player was like Julio Jones. Like, Julio... Well, he was
0: always banged
2: up. That's I mean, what I'm saying. And it would played, be injuries you didn't see. He'd go for nine catches, 180 yards, and three scores. And you're like,
0: oh, he looks great. And then coming into the next game, and like, he's a game-time decision. And you're like, win! And, and, and he would always play. The thing about Julio Jones, <laughs> if you played fantasy football and you had him on your team, he always had the red cue. Always. Yeah. And he'd suit up for the yeah. most part. He'd play 14 games, 13. For the, more often than not, he'd play. But he was always banged up. Or he he'd be 100%. missing part of a game. Or right. miss two yes. games. And the thing is, you'd
2: never see the injuries. Like, that's what I'm saying. He'd ball out. And then coming into next week, he'd
0: be a game-time decision. They'd be like, he had some ligament sprains. And you're like, when did this happen? And, and well, the, the, the one thing I will say about J.C. too, though, the only thing that gives you a little cause for concern, his tackling numbers aren't good this year. That needs to be cleaned up. I think that's just technique that that can be coached, but it's not because he's not a physical player. It, that was something that was celebrated with him coming out of college. It was the fact that he was too handsy right yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Just, Hey, play with your hands tied behind your back, move your feet mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, kind of applying that to a basketball thing for a foul, happy player. That was the problem with J.C., and I, I think the technique has been a lot yeah. better. It's the physicality that that might hurt you a little bit more, but, Wes, it's football. Mm-hmm. Hey, you got to play with the physicality, or that actually might lead to more injuries right. if you come soft to a situation. So hopefully he does not have that happen to him going forward in his career. Here's Steve Wilkes, as of right now, speaking himself about the J.C. Horn situation.
1: I can't really say, you know, you know, I've seen different scenarios where surgery goes well and uh, they've had to club it up and he go play, you know, we have to wait and see exactly what the doctors and the trainers say.
0: Not out yet. Hopefully JC Horn is able to come back at some point because all that cornerback depth it shortened up real quickly, right? Yeah. Like you came into the season with JC Horn, your first round corner. Dante Jackson, who you just signed to a long-term contract, and I still think is a, is a good second guy. Never want him as my number one, but I want him guarding the burners, the smaller receivers that are the deep threats. That's what I want Dante Jackson doing, and still a pretty solid cover guy, not top 10, never is going to be a Pro Bowl or whatever, but I felt good about him. C.J. Henderson was playing well in the preseason. That turned very quickly, but C.J. Henderson was playing well going in. Now, <laughs> no J.C. Horn in this one. No Dante Jackson. C.J. Henderson has had the year he's had. Yeah. And then when you relied on Keith Taylor, who I also have some good feelings about every now and then, Deontay Johnson just cooked him. I mean, Keith Taylor himself said it was the worst game he's ever played. So it's starting to shore up. How do they answer that? They went back to the 2014 well. They, got, they went to get Batman. They got Josh Norman. The Dark Knight. They signed him to the practice squad. And Steve Wilkes had this to say about the former panther
1: now once again current panther he has experience in this league veteran leadership and most importantly uh i feel like he possesses our dna i know him personally you know he played for me uh he understands the culture that we've tried to create here and the element of play that we're looking for so he likes the dna he
0: likes the dna he likes that Josh Norman has that experience, and even specifically with this coaching staff, with the guy that was his DB coach, who is now the head coach. What do you think about Josh Norman, who hasn't played this year, did play last year for your 49ers. You got to watch him start, mm-hmm. I believe, 14 games mm-hmm. for San Francisco. Not a necessarily good season for him. <laughs> but did 4-7 fumbles. Like, maybe they can get some of that magic back. What do you think of the signing, Wes?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Panthers. Signing another washed-up hero to think that he can come back and save the day. No, I'm just fine. I'm just fine. <laughs> a little bit. Nah, but – um, Give us no. the real feeling. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about the cam and how everybody, you know, started getting that nostalgia. Well, we got the, I'm back. All, and then – All the
0: Twitter uh, – all the players on Twitter were joking around about a comeback. Jonathan Stewart, Steve Smith. Right. Put it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he was ready to come yeah, back.
2: I mean, yeah, he had to force – He 4 7 fumbles in in the Bay last year, man. But that, you know, he had a 47.4 coverage grade according to PFF, and 67.8% of passes thrown his way were completed. So we're not talking about the Josh Norman from his prime years in Carolina. And we never quite saw that again after he left Carolina. So that's why maybe. Coming back home and playing for the Panthers again, I don't know, Panthers fans. I'm trying to give you a little bit of something to to be excited about. Can there be
0: uh, some Queen City magic with Josh uh, Norman? (laughs)
2: That's what I'm saying, some Queen City magic. He'll come out and come here and start getting picks again and doing his, I don't even know, that Robin Hood celebration that he would do with the arrow (laughs) and all that stuff. So, yeah, uh, no, but I did like Josh Norman when he was here, though. I, I did like him a lot, the bravado that he brought and the way that he played. And I thought that he would continue that in his stops and his stop in Washington, but I guess it was just not the right system fit that we see a lot in free agency and things of that nature. So, I mean, we'll see, man. This is a guy that's, you know, very much past his prime, coming in practice squad, earning himself a role here, but I think the Panthers are going to end up, uh, you know, leaning on him to an extent. So, you know, we'll see. I I don't know that the results will come out favorably, Mm -hmm. but – You know, the Panthers had to do what they had to do.
0: So here's Steve Wilkes talking about how quickly their new signee, Josh Norman, can contribute.
1: Well, well, you know, we did the same thing with uh, T.J. Curry when he came in. And uh, I think it's really the status of where those guys are uh, from a physical standpoint. Being in shape sometimes is totally different from game shape. Both have an understanding of the defense and some of the things that we're doing. And, you know, by working with both of those guys before, I think it'll be an easier transition. So hopefully he can jump in and get going.
0: Josh Norman is 35 years old, right? Josh, the thing about it, I think, Josh Norman, people forget about is he was a late bloomer here in Carolina. Yeah, that 2015 it took from time. He was an amazing cornerback 2015. I mean, just a dominant player. That's why he got a massive contract from Washington. And he was not that player once he got to now the commanders organization, but he was still good. I mean, he wasn't a bad player with Washington by any stretch just he was a complete all pro there's a reason he has that plus sign when you go check out his pro football reference page the dude was just as dominant as you could possibly get i believe what let's do the math that was seven years ago he was 28 at that point wes i mean you think about him being a late bloomer then it might be realistic given the context okay if he's a late bloomer Father time still comes for dudes the same way. Just because you were a late bloomer doesn't mean you're going to get a longer prime on the back end. It still comes for you pretty damn fast. And he's been able to stay in the league because he's also always kind of played to his strengths, which was more of a physical corner as well. Taller type of guy, not necessarily this burner. Hopefully he can bring some of that. And helped Carolina in a zone scheme where he's not playing a whole lot of man-to-man. I would I would be scared if he's just you know lining up across some of these wide receivers and just say, Hey, go ahead and cover this guy. I don't feel great about that. But you know who is going to be a great coach to put him in the right situation to succeed? It's Steve Wilkes. I mean, Wes, he might be the guy in all of the NFL I would choose to bring the most out of this player, somebody he's worked with before, somebody that was there when Josh Norman broke out. Maybe you can get some of that back in the year of 35 of his age. He's not going to be phenomenal, right? I don't want him to be a number one corner anymore, but Carolina kind of in a dire situation with all of the cornerbacks they've lost this year.
2: Well, one thing that's interesting I would pose to you is that when you talk about the fact that we know known that he is not a... Uh, a man corner and a zone corner. and That's where he thrives. Do you think that that is going to be an advantage to opponents, that especially for cerebral quarterbacks like Tom Brady, that when they, when and if they do see Josh uh,
0: Norman out there, that they will kind of know, okay, this is probably a zone cover. Well, what's interesting though, even even so, what's interesting to me too is. Tampa Bay's offensive line is not good. Mm -hmm. Now, they did have Ryan Jensen come back from uh, the IR today. Don't know if he's going to be activated. Don't exactly know his status. But even so, it's not like I expect that offensive line to be phenomenal, right? Tom Brady has been awful against pressure this year. He's been one of literally the worst quarterbacks in the league. If you're going to the last quartile, bam, there's Tom Brady, right? I think he has something like less than a seven QBR against pressure this season. So if the offensive line is bad, if Tom Brady is bad against pressure brian burns is going to have to be josh norman's best friend can brian burns have a loaded game just getting past any of the offensive linemen that he's working with wreak havoc on tom brady not allow plays to develop downfield because what are you worried most about an aging corner it's getting beat downfield well the good news is man chris godwin he's going to be on pace for a hundred receptions this year and maybe not reach a thousand yards because they're all five yard catches. So if you have somebody like this who understands the scheme and the only thing you're worried about is somebody breaking the top off the defense and him being a part of it, one, you're going to have safety help. But even so, man, it's not like they allow plays to develop downfield anyway. I think that's why if you're talking about him playing some minor role, It could work, Wes. I mean, this is a defense that's that's had success before, and they shut down Tampa already. Hell, Cardinals didn't allow a ton of points to Tampa. I damn sure know that Carolina's defense is better than the Arizona Cardinals' defense this year. So there are ways that this can work without J.C. Horn. And remember, Carolina got a victory already against Tampa without J.C.
2: Well, too, you talk about it. The name of the game this week for the Panthers is consistency. We've seen them go Back and forth, we've seen one week where they look great and then they come out and have a performance like they do against the Steelers or like they did. We see them look great and they have a performance like they did against Cincinnati, right? When they get your hopes up, uh, things tend to fall down. And I say that to say about the pass rush that you talked about with Brady's numbers. Mm -hmm. Against pressure, I mean, this Detroit Lions team came in here, they were second in the league in sacks uh, per pass play allowed. So Jared Goff was enjoying great, uh, you know, Pass protection from his crew. Brian Burns had two sacks. They hit Jared Goff seven times. That's what they're going to have to do this week, um, plain and simple. And it's can they continue to do that this week? You can't be mm-hmm. up and down. And that's the thing I say about bad football teams. They're up and down. You can't get after the quarterback the way you did against an offensive line that's this good last week and then come out this week and then Tom Brady can sit back there knit sweaters and do whatever it is he has to do. They have to have that type of performance of Uh, up front against Tom Brady to get those numbers and get those results against him that you've been seeing. Because if there's one thing we know is we don't want Tampa – uh, the Panthers do not want Tampa hanging around late in this game with the opportunity to win it.
0: Well, and, and Stanford P. wrote into the text line, 704 570 He said, bro, if he can't get anything out of C.J. Henderson, he's not getting much out of Norman. I get you. OK, I promise I get that <laughs> from an overall perspective. But we're talking about Tampa, right? Like we're we're not talking about some of these other teams where, hell yeah, I'd be worried. I mean, again, this is not me expecting Josh Norman to be the best 35-year-old corner we've ever seen. I'm not expecting that. But this is Tampa, where we have a large enough sample size that their passing game is just not good. I know Tom Brady has a lot of yards, but as far as an efficiency standpoint goes, it is not good. I mean, look at Godwin's numbers this year, where I think he's one of the better receivers in all the NFL. That guy has 89 receptions this year. 89. He has 848 yards total. The yard per reception for him this season is 9.5. That is the lowest he's ever had compared to last year by two whole yards. You look at Mike Evans, his yards per reception is 13.7. That's the lowest he's had in his entire career. They're not throwing the ball downfield, so that's going to help your corners. It's just this game, Stanford P. That's all I'm saying. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers going forward. We'll visit the campus corner coming up next. That's all after the first fitty flash of the day. Been waiting for that first flash, Fiddy. What you got for us, man?
3: All right, guys. Well, back before Matt Rule got hired, he went on this media tour talking about his time here with Carolina. And I don't think he ever thought that other players would be, you know, have a chance to respond what the former head coach of the (laughs) Panthers had to say. Well, that's exactly what Shaq Thompson did when he went on with Josina Anderson. And here's what he had to say about the team not buying into Matt Rule's message.
2: I think a lot of guys were just 50-50, you know what I mean? You had a lot of guys who bought in, then you then you could tell guys who weren't bought in, right? And a lot of yeah. stuff was just going unseen, you know what I mean? Just kicking out the rug, And you know? There was one game I came in and snapped on somebody, man, because we down bad, we losing, and Somebody walk in with some head and you know what I mean? The coach was just letting it go. It's like, bro, we, we in a game. And you just allowing people to come in here and do what they want. And it just wasn't, I didn't just see like a lot of respect. You know what I mean? A lot of guys, you can see a lot of just like fakeness. Like, oh, yeah, we want to play, we want to play. But as soon as we got Coach Whoops, the whole thing, and you know, yeah, we got rid of Christian. We got rid of Robbie. Uh, we let, let some guys go. You know what I mean? And this team just started playing, playing crazy.
3: What do you guys make of what Panthers linebacker Shaq Thompson has to say? Yeah, uh,
0: what's interesting to me about that is that I I don't necessarily think about how frustrated veteran players might be angry at a head coach for not holding everybody accountable. Usually I just kind of think, are you a players coach or not? But it's interesting to hear from a veteran player that they're mad at the coach for not getting on some of these younger guys, right? Like Shaq Thompson saying he had to go off on someone. And so if you're a veteran player that feels all of the responsibility, all of the coaching, all of the responsibility of holding others accountable is on you, then what's the head coach doing? Yeah. And if you can't get veteran players to buy in, it's going to be harder for those younger players to buy in. That's kind of what I took from Shaq Thompson.
2: Right. But wasn't he one of the guys that was saying how much they loved uh, Matt Rule and how they wanted to play for him and all that stuff? Wasn't he one of those guys? Um,
0: he might have been. Yeah. It also goes to show that he's trying not to let any of that talk get out during some of the problems they're going be
2: yeah, so that's my thing too, and that's why I said I just can't stand how people, when people just don't say what's on their mind and, and bring you the real. It's like you guys knew that, that there were a lot of things that he wasn't doing right, and so I'm glad to hear them speaking up on it now. But like I'm saying, just don't, you know, when it comes around and it's time to answer the question, answer them right because just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. before Matt Rule was gone, they were talking about how much
0: they loved him and how much they wanted to play for him. So, you know,
2: it is what it
0: is. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> From Wes, his commentary on Shaq Thompson. Maybe we can dig into that a little bit more. Do you had some
3: comments about Shaq? I was Shaq? just going to ask uh, Wes, is that why he likes me so much? Is because I keep it real? I keep it yes, very much so, as the
2: kids say? very much so, man. I don't like hanging what around about, the fake.
0: What about the constant lying, though?
2: No, yeah, the capping. Yeah, yeah I can't deal well, I with that. we got to fix that.
0: <laughs> don't even. we got to fix that. Don't even. I have to go to this long CVS-style receipt of all of your lies that you've told. <laughs> we'll get to some of that coming up next. It's Campus Corner, Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 927. FM to peel back the curtain on Wes and Walker. Spitty was just bragging about himself, not anything unusual, but he was bragging about himself coming back from break, and I didn't hear any kind of any kind of blip on the radar when we were coming back, but you wanted to pat yourself on the back. Tell the people why you are so good at being a dynamic producer.
3: Well you see, I had the uh the the garage door guru sounder pulled into The system as opposed to to the campus corner. (laughs) And so I, I was on the verge of hitting that to bring us back as opposed to the campus corner instrumental. But I realized my mistake, caught the mistake, and corrected said mistake all in a matter of like three seconds. That's how fast I am. And so, yes, I thought it was deserving for me to brag on myself because Mm -hmm. you never brag on me. No, no, that's
0: no, no, that's true. I'm not even going to defend that. Brian wrote in 704-570-9610, the Garage Door Guru text line, CVS receipt, question mark, the Church League lies alone, need an acre of rainforest to make paper required to write it all down for all of the lies you've told. What is your response to Brian? (laughs)
3: Look, guys. (laughs) We all saw Luka Doncic do a lot of incredible things last night as his Mavs beat the Knicks. He did that on two legs. Mm -hmm. I did the same type of stuff on one leg in the church league. You keep on questioning my legacy. I'll pull the tape. So no, what, what I'm very interested
0: to talk about though, is the fact that you were actually backed up on this and, and listeners not lying to you on this one. Fitty. After all of the church league, whether it be basketball or softball, because no no league, no sport is safe from Fiddy's lies. But he did say, at first I asked him, Fiddy, did you actually play any high school sport whatsoever? Like, did you play anything? And he said, yes, I actually played soccer, where I was the best defenseman in the county, to which I rolled my eyes. But I'm going to be honest, Flounder was in the room. And Flounder said, Now, I'm actually not going to lie. It's true. He was absolutely very good at soccer his freshman year. And so, one, why did you quit? Why did you quit
3: soccer? Um, I didn't love soccer. I played just to stay in shape. Mm-hmm. And so, but I got told after my freshman year where I played on JV, the expectation was for me to play varsity the next year as a sophomore. Pretty cool thing. So. Basketball season comes around my sophomore year. I, I missed the JV team. Mm-hmm. That's why I took my talents to the church league. <laughs> but was still going to play soccer. And I went out for tryouts, and my coach was a douchebag. Oh, it was a coach problem. And like I said, I'm just out there really just to stay in shape. I didn't love soccer. Mm-hmm. And he went off on me one day, and I walked off and never went back. <laughs>
0: That does sound like you, though. Like, as soon as somebody legitimately goes off, you're like, no nah, I'm not taking this yeah. anymore. Like, no, Finney, you have a future. You could just be one of those big brutes down low and you can defend. Nah, man, I'm not going to take that chewing that I just got from this head coach. But I, I'm just wanting to give the people some substance to how good you were legitimately at a sport out there. So, very good soccer player. We should go out there and, and test your skills. We should have done that during the World
3: Cup. Yeah, we should have. I would have cool. embarrassed Willie P with how good my ball skills uh, are.
0: Uh, I would love to see you versus Willie P in a soccer contest. Stanford P also wrote in and said, no, like he was at the church leagues. He was at those games. He legitimately saw Fiddy go for like 50 points on one leg. So you do have one backer <laughs> out there in Stanford P. Real quickly, let's visit the campus corner with some interesting news taking place around Wes Bryant's Demon Deacons. Quarterback Sam Hartman officially enters the transfer portal and the expected landing spot for him is going to be Notre Dame. Here's also Chip Patterson talking on Tuesday, the Kyle Bailey show about Sam Hartman. So I just think that it, not that you were not wanted at Wake Forest, but if there's an opportunity out there, thanks to the transfer portal, thanks to the extra year of eligibility that you have from the NCAA granting an extra year to the because of the COVID pandemic season in 2020, that if someone from Notre Dame is going to potentially you know use some back channels to say, hey, you know, we'd love for you to step in with this group. We'd love for you to be able to have this opportunity. And if you're Sam Hartman, then I think you've got to be entertained by that. And so I, that's probably my biggest takeaway has just been really um, not surprised, but definitely noticing how excited Notre Dame is to be able to get somebody like Sam Hartman so that was Chip Patterson, I believe, talking with Julian Council yesterday on the Kyle Bailey show. So big shout to Julian filling in yesterday, talking about Sam Hartman, the big transfer. Wes, how will you remember Sam Hartman's time at Wake Forest, and how excited are you to see what he can do with a football program that has a richer tradition, uh, richer tradition than most?
2: Well, for one, I saw a lot of nonsense on the internet yesterday. I mean, you would have thought that. Let me see prime tim t-boy florida was transferring uh somewhere else some of the things that i saw uh people were just saying oh you know sam Harmon. When he goes to notre dame watch out with this elite offensive line and receivers and all this stuff and i'm like wait a minute first of all he had our receivers are better than notre dame our receivers of course better than notre dame uh notre dame does have good offensive lines but at wake he didn't get sacked a whole lot either unless they were playing clemson and last time that i checked when Notre Dame plays good teams from the South, the same thing happens to them as well. They can't compete up front. Uh, the thing about Sam Hartman is this, and I heard it was for a reported two million. So uh, that's what I heard from a fairly credible source. But Sam Hartman's biggest win at Wake Forest was a regular season win against NC State two years ago. Sam Hartman, Did not show up and play to the numbers that he has finished with at Wake as far as him being the all time leading touchdown passer, uh, the all time leader in TDR. Uh, He did not play that way. Just being frank, like I said, and this is my school, so there's no homerism involved, but in every big game, pretty much that Wake Forest played in, he did not come to play. We can point to uh, the football games at South Carolina, I mean, not not. at South Carolina, but at North Carolina a couple years ago uh, against Sam Howell, when he threw interceptions down the stretch in that game. We can point to this season against Drake May. He threw the critical interception. We can point to the Wisconsin Bowl game where he threw, I think it was five interceptions. I lost count, including three of them that were on the same type of play. So, uh, Sam Hartman is not a big game player. We saw that Wake had to coddle him after games and not let him talk to the media, which also tells me a lot uh, about him as well as far as just leadership and being able to face media music and he's going to step into a boiling hot pot of water because there will be national championship expectations based off what he's done at Wake, and people automatically assume, oh, it was little old Wake Forest. We've got better this, we have better that. He's going to come here and do this, and they're going to be in for a rude awakening, because when the big games arrive on the schedule and he doesn't play well, they're going to see what a lot of fans at Wake Forest saw.
0: Those games are going to be bigger than the ones that Wake Forest played, too, because it is going to be Notre Dame. Just the simple school that you're playing for, it carries more weight, and that's just true of most college fan bases. Ohio state alabama some of the sec schools some of those are better now than notre dame but we know what the tradition is we know exactly what the expectations are i'm fascinated because i really like sam hartman i do think the guy is a prolific passer and we did see him step up against clemson but to your point after the clemson game that was about it you're right. Yeah. That's, that's the one game you point to, and you didn't have the And
2: volume. he also – but then you look at the end of that game as well. When it was time, when the money was on the table, when he needed to make the play, plays that he had been making all afternoon, he did not make the play. He throws in a double coverage on a fourth and seven. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You know, he'll have at times when the money's not on the table, he looks fantastic, but when it's time to get it done and it gets to the nitty-gritty, he ain't got it done, and that's just being fair and being honest All right, about let, his
0: play away. Yeah, let's talk about more, uh, let's talk more about him later on in the show, but coming up, we'll discuss the Charlotte Hornets game last night. They finished their West Coast road trip. How would you grade the past 6 games? We'll get to that on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ.